0: Hello and welcome to The Flix Forum Podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is our ninth day of Podmas, where we're putting out an episode every day in the lead up to Christmas. So, nine days in a row. Thanks for joining me if you've stuck it out so far. Today's episode, we have Netflix 277th film from 2020. It's the southern gothic psychological crime thriller called The Devil All the Time. It's directed by Antonio Campos, starring Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Jason Clarke, Sebastian Stan, Hayley Bennett, Eliza Scanlon, Mia Wazowska, and Robert Pattinson. I'm Jesse, I'm your host. This is a big cast, this is a big film. Um, I remember when this one came out, and I'm not sure why I didn't watch it. I think uh, mainly I was scared off by the fact that uh, it seemed like it was all about Tom Holland and his fangirls, uh, and Robert Pattinson enjoying this film and watching this film. Uh, little did I know what this film was gonna actually be about so if you're keen on checking this one out or haven't seen it give us a pause and come back later on because I will spoil this film as we uh, sort of get through this episode and we do start the show off with the fast flicks where we do a quick little summary of what the film is all about so this one it it covers or it follows various people across middle white America and their struggle with religion violence and death very ambiguous for me Um, I found this really hard to sort of put together because this is a very heavy film, super heavy. Uh, It's not necessarily an enjoyable film whatsoever. So um, I'm intrigued and I'm interested to sort of talk about it as we go. But we sort of like to check out and and see how it ended up on Netflix. So we sort of go back to 2011 where there was a novel of the same name of of this book was uh, published by Donald Ray Pollock. And um, this guy actually provided the narration throughout this film as well. So while the, the movie isn't entirely true, Pollock, the author, drew on several real-life experiences that he witnessed as a child for this story. Um, specifically, Pollock, he told NPR that the opening scene of this film, uh, where we've got our nine-year-old boy, Arwen, witnessing his father's... Um, his father brutally beat um, some hunters. This was inspired by an incident that he witnessed when he was 10. Um, and this experience nearly gave Pollock a nervous breakdown when he was 10 years old. So you can sort of say that the trauma that this guy probably experienced, he put it into words and, and now we're seeing it on screen as well. Um, the production for this film was announced in September of 2018 with Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Chris Evans, and Mia Wasikowska in Talks to Star. Um, Antonio Campos was set to write and direct the film with one of my favourites of all time, Jake Gyllenhaal, serving as a producer on this film as well. We head to Jan of 2019 where Bill Skarsgård and Eliza Scanlon joined the cast and Netflix came on board to distribute the film. Sebastian Stan was then cast to replace Evans after scheduling conflicts caused him to drop out and um, he personally recommended Stan for the role himself. And my guess is, uh, as we sort of saw in one of the films the other day that we we were sort of discussing, I'm guessing Evans was sort of needed for Avengers Endgame uh, around this time. Principal photography for this film began on Feb 19, 2019 in Alabama, and then the filming locations moved around America, um, including Aniston, Pell City, Birmingham, and Montevallo, with filming completed on April 15th of 2019. The film was the most watched on Netflix after its first two days, and third overall in its first five days. In November of 2020, Variety reported that the film was the 22nd most watched straight-to-streaming title of 2020 up to that point. So, you know, we're heading towards the end of 2020 um, at this stage. Heading towards that top 20 of films streamed, It's not a bad result for Netflix. Um, actor Harry Melling um dumped and there's a scene this is a spoiler from the film i guess as well and i didn't even mention him um in the cast list but harry melling you'd recognize from the harry potter films he uh dumped real life orb weaver spiders on his head for one of these scenes um and he said that he was okay with it as long as the spiders weren't changed to snakes uh i wasn't a big fan of that scene probably talk about it later but putting real spiders on your face uh, not for me at all um Despite top billing in this film, and I mentioned before, Tom Holland tom Holland—Holland was the draw card for this film. He doesn't actually appear in this film until the 46 minute mark of the film. So um, those that are watching this just for Tom Holland, you need to skip the first uh, almost half of the film as well. What else do we know about this film? So it uh, did have a limited release on the 11th of September 2020 in cinemas before hitting Netflix worldwide on the 16th of September 2020. This had three nominations at award ceremonies. So at the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, there was a nominee for the most egregious age difference between the leading man and the love interest, Riley Keough and Jason Clarke, and that was of 20 years. So a bit of a funny nomination there. It was also nominated for best ensemble acting and best vocal motion capture performance for Donald Ray Pollock at the Indiana Film Journalist Association. So um, yeah, some interesting little facts there. Translations around the world in Portuguese. This film is called the everyday devil in Croatian It's called in the eternal battle with Satan. Oh, one am pretty deep. Um, in Arabic It's called an eternal demon in German. It's called the devil's craft in Greek. It's always the devil in Chinese It's God forsaken place. Yes, I would agree. This place is pretty godforsaken. forsaken um, in Italian It's called the streets of evil In Japanese, it's called The Devil is Always There. So very similar uh, to the English title. In Spanish, it's called The Devil at All Hours. In Polish, it's called The Devil Incarnate. And in Vietnamese, this is, um, again, another one of those out there translations. It's called Abandoned Land. (laughs) Um, The tagline for this one, everyone ends up in the same damn place. Um, Yeah, sure. It's fine. It's passable. Not not a standout, but it passes. I had a percentage match for this one on Netflix. 77%. um, that Netflix thinks I would enjoy this film. I don't know, what do you think? We'll we'll have to see what critics and audiences think first because on Rotten Tomatoes, this is fresh. It sits at 65%, that's on 219 reviews, so quite a few reviews for this one. The audience has it at 79%, so a little bit higher. That's on more than 2,500 ratings. IMDB, positive again, sits at a 7.1 out of 10 on nearly 150,000 ratings. A lot of people have seen this one. Letterboxd, again, sits at a 3.3 out of 5, so fairly positive. That's on nearly 310,000 ratings, but it's actually been logged by 436,000 people. Wow, I didn't realize how many people had actually seen this film. Um, Metacritic on that traffic light system. The critics have it at a 55 out of 100 on 39 critic reviews. That's in the yellow section, middle range, whereas the audience, again, high. 7.7 out of 10 on 269 reviews in the green section, so audience. Really enjoying this film. My thoughts. So Netflix said 77% for me. <sighs> I'm going to find this film really hard to talk about. It's so dark and sad. Um, I mean, this film, it's deep. It's dark. It's heavy. Every scene aims for impact through gritty darkness. Um, I'm not necessarily a dark person. Like I, I, This film is fine. Like, it's, an, it, it's a very well-made film thematic film but it's not an enjoyable film if that makes sense so I, I understand why people may not like it um, let, let's get into it the characters in this film there are so many characters in this film it's very hard to sort of break them all down because we do see this non-linear sort of storytelling throughout um, as Tom Holland plays his character Arvin um, he, this kid he's well, we see him start off as a kid but he's gone through so much trauma in his life but I feel like he's the character that tries to uphold morals. Um, and will do anything for those that are close to him, especially Lenora, his sort of half-sister, who we'll talk about soon. So we sort of go back to the past, I guess, where we meet Arvin's parents. So his father, Willard, we see that he suffers from um, PTSD, from being in World War Two, And this sort of intertwines with this idea of faith and his faith um, due, due to him sort of seeing someone on the battlefield being crucified on a cross. Um, he He loses his faith. He's lost the Lord for a bit, but sort of refines him because he thinks or feels something bad is happening to his family, and and I guess this is sort of a reflection on the reason why some people do refine faith or find faith. Um, but I think he does want the best for his son, um, and we we do see you know his his um, wife Charlotte Arvin's mother. We we see them falling in love. We see that she's a kind, caring reason, and and one of the reasons why Willard falls for her, um, apart from from just her looks too. But you know, unfortunately, everyone in this film has a pretty you know traumatic past um and and, you know the other characters that we see in this film too we've got sandy um and carl who are these like serial killers i guess like sandy she's married to to carl but she's like this victim of domestic violence she doesn't know how to escape carl she doesn't know how to leave and carl is just this sadistic sort of guy who uses sandy to to kidnap people and forces Sandy to have sex with them and photograph it and then kill them. So, um, and that tie in with, with the police force is, is Deputy Lee, who's Sandy's brother, and, and he's a corrupt cop and him, himself is messing around with women. And, and there's an election coming up and he doesn't know how to deal with his sister who, who's a prostitute and, and keeping that clean so he can progress himself in the world too. So they, these are all tricky things. And, and then we see and we meet um, Helen, who's Lenora's mother, um, and lenora is is you know as as they grow older the same sort of age as arvin and and lenora um you know will willard's mum wanted him to be with her to start off with but she marries this preacher called roy and he hangs out with his cousin theodore and and he believes he's doing the lord's work but he's doing it in a in a bad way and and you know leaves lenora as an orphan almost And, and and poor lenora who's Arwen's half sister, I guess, because you know, she loses her mother, she gets picked on by bullies, but she's also devout in her faith and and this leads to her being abused and it's this cycle, this vicious cycle through all these character characters of abuse and violence and 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 faith and, and blind faith at times as well. Um I think I've tried I've almost touched on all of the characters I think Reverend Preston Teagarden we see him come in the film towards the end played by Robert Pattinson he's this real piece of work he's almost like a character from a different film the, the way that Pattinson plays him but you needed that so as a, an audience you hated him the most out of everyone out of all these bad people because he was a despicable person and, you know he preys on the innocent and and uses the guise of, of, of god's work as well so uh you know it's just it's very hard to sort of uh, build an emotional connection with these characters because they all at times do the wrong thing um which is super sad so the director um antonio campos not a lot of work, I guess. Best known for that mini series called *The Staircase*, which was on HBO Max. Um, had some waves waves a while ago, but um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna talk about the scenes. I found this really hard to sort of talk about specific scenes because it's insane that you like something. You know, everything in this film is dark, um, so it's really hard. A lot of the dark stuff it was it was done well on screen, but I just didn't like it for the darkness. So I'll talk some things that I enjoyed, I guess, or not necessarily enjoyed, but that, that stood out as. Artistically significant, I guess, is that um, you know we, we see early on Willard as Arvin's father teaches him how to deal with with bullies, teaches him a lesson that you know you need to be patient and 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 get them back when the time's right. So Willard puts Arvin in the car and and they drive off and and the dad beats these kids up and sort of shows him this is how you deal with with the people that don't treat you well. Um, in saying that, Willard's death, like that was so heartbreaking. Um, and, and that stood out for the heartbreaking the th- emotion that I felt. Um, and we see Emma who, um, is this adoptive, not adoptive, but, uh, looks after Arwen and, sorry, Arwen and Lenora. There's, there's a scene where, you know, religion such a big thing for her. This is, um, Willard's mother and, and Emma's trying to impress the new pastor with, with food, making a meal. And, and when we get to the, the church and he makes fun of it, it was just really sad at how embarrassed she was about that as well. Um, I like the follow up from Arvin later on where he follows his dad's advice, Willard's advice of waiting to get revenge. And we see him waiting to get revenge on Lenora's bullies for her. So I like that. I thought that was good. And then I did like the other parts of revenge from Arvin as well. Like going to the church to get Teagarden and then him also escaping from Sandy and Carl. I like those moments. I thought that were good as well. And, and probably shows why Tom Holland was uh, cast as the lead in this film too. Now uh, the things that I didn't like in this film, I mentioned this before, uh, Roy, the preacher, we have him in church where he puts a jar of spiders on his face. It just seemed like a bit too much for me. So I did feel like that. Another thing that was a bit too much, Willard killing Arvin's dog as a sacrifice. I did, ugh, that was heartbreaking. Um, lay in a car, the, the police officer lays in his car with a woman and she's masturbating him and he's like telling her to make sure she gets it in a cup. I don't know why that was needed. That was just gross. Um, Roy, this, this like he takes his wife out into the woods to kill her to try and resurrect her it was just an example i think of one of the technical sides that wasn't great like the the poor editing because we already knew that she was going to pass away so it wasn't really a surprise and and the voiceover at that stage i just didn't like as well Garden, i mentioned before he's a piece of work he's in the car with lenora at one stage talking about birthday suits and and opening up to the lord it was disgusting. It was like some off twilight fantasy, just really gross. Uh, and finally, Lenora, she, she talks to, to tea garden about being pregnant and you know, he's like just saying, it's not mine. Um, figure out a way to get rid of it or you're going to be a whore mother. And we just get this shot of her kicking the bucket. It was just horrendous. Just some real heavy stuff in this film. All right. What, what are the themes and the, and the ideas in this film? I think you know, that idea of fathers and sons and that bond that they do create and, and that respect that the, that's seen from a son to a father as well but obviously this film it's about faith and and the idea of evil and and these often intertwining as well that idea of the title the fighting the devil all the time sacrificing to to prove faith what is faith how do you prove your faith um and how does it actually lead to 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 positives at times um because there are multiple generations in this film that are impacted by violence in in the heartland of america very white america but this generational trauma, um, which which is super sad to see. Um, and, and it's like the culture of the place as well, that the culture of, of this town or this area of America where the people who occupy it, it's almost like they're predetermined for the outcome of, of how their lives are gonna roll out. And it's not necessarily what they want or what they need, but they have no way of escape. Um, and and I, I do I mentioned this through the scenes that I like too, but I like that idea of picking your time to retaliate. But, it's not necessarily a positive, but responding to violence with violence does that stop this trauma from happening? Does that stop the the generational pain? Um, and, and there's that touch too of corruption in the police force too um, that we see through Lee. What did I, what did I take away from this film? Um, I think you know there are so many characters and stories in this film, and I really struggled to put it all together. This might have been better off as a miniseries because um, you, you might have got some more context around the characters. But in saying that. It's not that the film doesn't work. It just would have been better to spend more time with each scenario or each character Um, because the film does work. It's just, I think it might have been better if it was extended at times as well. Um, Let's let's ponder some things. Let's ponder some ideas or some questions. So the director, Antonio Campos, he told Esquire magazine that, and this is a quote, I always struggle with happy endings. I like endings that leave you with the hope for something better, but the chance for something else. And you have to kind of pick your own version of it if we're talking about the ending of this film, that, that's that idea that realistically, the only person that survives is Arvin. Does he have hope at the end? Um, I don't know. I You know, you'd like to, but based on how deep and dark and sad this film is, I, it's almost more impactful if this film finishes on the note that we're down and out and, and there's no breaking this cycle. There's no coming out of it. So. I mean, good on the director for saying, yep, people can walk away with a happy interpretation if they want, but I find that very hard to take away after watching more than two hours of um, quite epic and um, horrendous stories of people. Um, And and at the same time, are are any of the characters in this film sympathetic? Like, do any of them feel sympathy towards each other? Um, It's really hard to work out because Arvind... You know, while he doesn't do it legally, the things he was doing were for, I guess, the right cause for revenge. I guess I'm not sure if revenge is the right thing, but for the idea of stopping people in their tracks, stopping bad from continuing. But he had to use violence to do it or to get his message across, which is a little bit of a sad reflection, I guess, too. Um, I'm ready to wrap this up. We give the films a rating out of five on this show. Um, You know... I've said this many many times this film and considering we're in the Christmas period this this is not a great film to watch for Christmas but while the film is it's bloody and it's dark and it's depressing it's still really well made it was hard to even talk about things that I liked because no no human should like any of the situations that people were put through in this film which makes it really difficult but I'm still giving this a solid three and a half out of five this film is it's well made it's trying to say something even if it may be hard to watch it it's still um you know a, a good film so three and a half out of five for me we are on socials we've got instagram facebook and x formerly known as twitter we are at Flix forum on all of those platforms the question i wanted to put out with this episode was like and this sort of ties in with what we we're talking about before but does arvin escape that cycle of violence i mean and you've got to i guess it's how you take that final scene because that final shot of him's in a car where he's, you know, trying not to fall asleep, but the, the radio is talking about the Vietnam War. So there's that idea in the back of my head that, you know, his dad fought in the war. Is that what he needs to do to to find his own peace? And then that's another whole story if he does end up in Vietnam. Like, does he survive? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So interesting thing to ponder. Uh, we're back tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, I don't know. Looking at what tomorrow is, I don't know if it's going to change up. But tomorrow is a a 2020 Spanish psychological thriller called The Paramedic. I don't know if a, a psychological thrill is necessarily uh, in the mood for Christmas either, but um, in Spanish, it's called El Practicante. It's directed by Carlos Torres and stars Maria Casa and Deborah Francois. So that's what we've got tomorrow. Uh, this one's been very hard to be upbeat about because it is a pretty heavy film. Give it a watch if you want. Maybe wait until New Year. Um, don't watch it during the Christmas period. I'll see you tomorrow.